Hey there, and welcome to the First Missionary Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We're honored you've chosen to join us today. In a few moments, Senior Pastor Alan Miller will launch into this week's teaching. Before that, though, we'd like to encourage you to also check out our website, firstmissionary.net, where you can find out more about what the Lord is doing in our local body and how you can get involved. Now here's Alan with this week's teaching. That's your name.
Father, this morning for the opportunity to come and bring you our sacrifice of praise. Despite whatever might be going on in life, Lord, despite doubt, despite poverty and sickness, despite frustration, loneliness, we choose to praise this morning. seated us at your right hand in Christ. Giving us every reason to praise you this morning. We love you, Lord, and we trust you at this time. As our ushers come forward, we're reminded, Father, that you call us to be stewards and managers. 
for the opportunity this morning to give furtherance of your kingdom here and all that you're doing in this place. Multiply, Father, do incredible things. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's give God a hand clap of praise today just because He's good. He's worthy of our worship and our praise every single day of our lives. And man, was it not great to get up this morning and see the sunshine? I mean, I think about the Sundays that we've had this year, and we've had very few Sundays where the sun has been shining. It's usually been raining or dreary, and so I'm just so happy the sun was shining today. So glad that you're here. Uh, look at your neighbor next to you and say, glad you're here today. If you hadn't told somebody today, just say, hey, I'm glad you're here today. Yeah, glad that you're here today. What a great day this is going to be. And if I don't have to tell you, you probably have already noticed, with summer kind of getting underway, that it is certainly family vacation season, right? It is family vacation season season. And I absolutely love family vacation time. Now, me and my family, we love to go to the beach. Uh, the beach is our happy place. Anybody else feeling me out there? Love the beach. Love going to the beach. Other people like the mountains, like going up north. But, you know, we like to head south. We like to go to the beach. We enjoy the beach, beach vacation every year. We try to every year. Just so much fun. We look forward to that every single year. Family vacation time. Family vacay. That's what we're going to be talking about 
over the next several weeks. And we know that many families are even out today. And we live in a great part of the world, a great part of the country. We've got the great Kentucky Lakes uh, area right next to us, Kentucky Lake, Lake Barkley. You can go over there, take some days away, get out on the boat and find a beach somewhere. Man, is anybody just feeling me right now? Just You're thinking, man, I think I'm going to get up and leave right now. <laughs> going to go to the beach right now. We love the beach. Family vacation. And you know what, family? Hey, by the way, by the way, isn't it so awesome, like, to see the guys come in to take up the offering, like, you know, before the service starts and you look up here and it's like, man, you know, nobody's in the front row, and I'm glad we got some people in the front row. And then the guys walk in, it's like, okay, we can get started now. You know what I'm saying? I don't know if you see the teenage guys. So give it up for those guys who take up the offering every week, and uh, we appreciate them so much. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. Uh, but anyway, family vacation. You know, family vacation, and, and I know you watch Facebook and stuff, and you see all the pictures and everything, but family vacation can really bring out the best in your family. I mean, it really can. You know, the memories, the good times that you have together as a family, I mean, it can just bring out the best of your family. But also, when you think about family vacation, you know, maybe six or seven days together, maybe you're in the car together, nine, ten hours riding together, you're staying together in the hotel or the condominium, right? You know, 24 hours, seven days, however long your vacation is, you're all together, you know what I'm saying? Family vacation can bring out the best of your family, but family vacation can also do what? It can reveal the worst of your family as well. It can, it can reveal all the things that are kind of working behind the scenes, the tensions, you know. And when you see people on Facebook, everybody looks perfect. Facebook, Instagram, I mean, they got the perfect picture, they got the navy, they got the khaki, you know, they're all dressed in black, they're harmonious, there's unity, I mean, it's just, it's just oozing off your, 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 your smartphone, your iPhone screen, or your computer screen, or your tablet, I mean, it's just oozing off of there, and you're thinking, oh, they've got the most perfect family. And you have no clue. You have no clue what just happened minutes before that picture was taken. Or even even between takes when mama was slapping him on the back of the head and said, you better smile at this picture. <laughs> and then the screen goes off and they're back at each other's throats, right? Well, this series that we're going to start today is going to be called Family Vacay. And we're going to be talking about actually... Some of the attitudes and habits and modes of action and patterns in our families that unless we vacate, they're going to erode our homes. Family vacay. It's time to vacate some of the attitudes, patterns, and habits that are eroding the foundation of our homes. I remember a family vacation that absolutely brought out the best of my family and it brought out the worst of my family. Um, we were actually going to go to Orange Beach on fall break 
And I will tell you right now, I'm not going to get the story right, okay? Uh, so after the service, y'all can meet with Emily out in the gathering area, and she's going to correct everything I say wrong about this story, okay? I'm just saying that up front, okay? I'm going to get things wrong about this, this story. But we were so looking forward to going on our family vacation down to Gulf Shores, Orange Beach area. And, you know, we're trying to get everything done the week leading up to, and it's late Friday afternoon, and I am, you know, I'm serving my family, okay? You, you men out there, can you feel me? I'm serving my family. I'm loading everything. I've taken it upon myself. I'm humble with the Spirit of Jesus, and I am loading everything up because I know how to load the vehicle. Right? I know how to load the car. And I mean, we, we packed everything, everything down to the beach. You know, we've got an umbrella. We've got a spare umbrella. We've got the little cart. You got to push everything on, you know. We, got, we, take every, we love the beach. So, so it's late Friday afternoon, and I'm loading everything up in the back of the van, at the back of the car, our, our little SUV, the RAV4, loading, I think it was the RAV4, we're loading everything up in it. I got that part of the story, right? So I'm loading everything up in it. And, you know, it just makes sense to me as I'm going through my checklist in my mind that, hey, you know, the boogie boards will probably be the first thing the kids will want to get out and play with. So I put the boogie boards on top in the back, right? Well, we go through Mississippi, and we leave late, and, and night falls, and, 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 you know, even the kids are kind of half asleep in the back seat. Emily's up there in the front seat, Pastor, she's half asleep. And I'm driving through there. But here's the thing. Ever since we left Benton, with every bump in the road, every rough surface, those boogie boards just came to life. They're made of styrofoam, right? So they'd squeak. You know, we hit a bump, squeak, 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 squeak. We go down the road, and we have a moment of silence, and here they start squeaking again. Squeak, 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 squeak. And there's another part of this story that's really important, okay? A lot of our friends from Marshall County were going to be down at Gulf Shores that week, and we were actually vacation, vacationing with them. And I found out that just the presence of us going down there was going to make some people nervous. Now, I do not know for the life of me why any family would be nervous hanging out with the preacher and his family on the beach. I just, I just couldn't fathom, you know, I mean, all the, I mean, these are people we play ball with. They know us pretty well. But the word had gotten back that, you know, everybody's really nervous about Brother Allen and Emily and Brady Kennedy going to the beach. The preacher's family is going to be hanging out with us on the beach. I don't know why that would make anybody nervous. I just have no clue. So anyway, we're driving in the middle of Mississippi, and the boogie boards are squeaking, 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 squeak, 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 squeak. And they'd stop for a little while, squeak, 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 squeak. Well, finally, I had had enough. I mean, I had had enough. And I'm not talking about the boogie boards. I had heard ever since we left Benton, why'd you put them boogie boards on top? Don't you know they just squeaked the whole time down? Yeah, Dad, the boogie boards are just squeaking. Now, it's been told, and I don't think this is right, but it's been told that we hit a bump and actually one of the boogie boards flew up and hit Brady in the back of the head. I don't think that's right, but I was told that that happened. But I'm telling you, I had had enough. I had heard it ever since we left Benton. Well, why did you put the boogie boards on top? Why did you put the boogie boards, the boogie boards, the boogie boards, the boogie boards, the boogie boards? I was going nuts at this point in time, okay? So I decided to do what all men do. It's time to reverse the order of the situation. So I look up ahead. This is probably 1 o'clock in the morning. I look up ahead, 
And there's this convenience store that had been shut down in a vacated parking lot. And I thought, this is the perfect place to pull in. Perfect place. So I whip that car into that parking lot, and I jump out, and I look at her, and I say, okay. I've heard it ever since we left. Now you're going to get the chance to load this car all by yourself. And I opened up the back hatch of that car, and I'm not kidding you. I unloaded every single thing in that car in that parking lot. And I stepped back, and I looked at her, and I said, there you go. You load the car. And I thought, I've got one up on her. You know what she said to me? Well, thank God somebody's going to do it right. (laughs) Well, we load up the car. We make it down to Gulf Shores. And I mean the first thing. Brady runs out of the car, runs down to the beach, tells everybody at the beach, you're not going to believe what happened at 1 o'clock in the morning. I mean, the guys were coming up to me, give me high fives. I mean, I'm getting the high fives, you know what I'm saying? And the women are coming up to her, giving her the five guy five. Thank God you loaded it right. You know, we had the best week in the world because everybody knew that we were just like everybody else. Family vacay brings out the best, but it can also reveal the worst. Well, today we're going to start talking about family, and family life. We're going to go to Scripture today, and and we just believe that if God is the one that put this thing together called family life, then maybe God knows how to lead us and how to guide us. Maybe God knows all the hidden instructions and all the things that are absolutely necessary for our families not to just survive. But I really believe with all my heart, God wants our families to thrive. It doesn't matter where you are in life. It doesn't matter where you are. Every single one of you today, you are in a position, you have a role where you can impact a family. You might be a grandparent, somebody calls you, gets marital advice, grandkids, your kids, whatever. You know, parenting's never over, right? It's never over. You might be a grandparent today, and you have a role of passing down some wisdom, some encouragement to some folks that could really use that. Maybe you're, you're, you're a young married, you've you're, you got a, a little one, or a little one's on the way, and, and man, all this family life is out there in front of you, right? We had a couple over last night to our home. Uh, we get together with them every year to celebrate Christmas. We get together with them every year to celebrate Christmas. Yeah, I know it's June. <laughs> it is the first time we get together, and, and they kind of had a, a surprise late in their marriage. Uh, she was like in her late 30s. He's early 40s, and so they have a little one that comes along. And, you know, they came to the house, and the little guy, you know, not, they knock on the door, and Katie goes to the door, and, 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 and he because he thought little children were going to be there, right? And, and so he sees us, and he's kind of upset, and he kind of cries and, and stuff throughout the night. And, you know, and by the time the night was over, I'm like, oh, my goodness. Well, I, I, there's a reason God gives children to young people. You know what I'm saying? There's a reason God gives children to young people. They can just flat wear you out. Joy, a joy, right? A joy. But at the same time, lots of challenges come along the way with that. This is also a season or time of the year 
No matter where you're in life, you know, people are thinking about weddings. You know, June is an extremely popular month. It's still very popular for, for weddings to happen. You look on Facebook, and everybody's celebrating a what? There's people celebrating a what all over. They're celebrating a what? An anniversary? Because June's a very popular. You may not know this, but over the last two years, there's actually been two months that have been more popular than June to get married. The months of October and September, people are really enjoying fall weddings. But this is a time of year. Still, we're getting married, thinking about marriage, family life. Very, very popular time of the year. So today we're going to go to, to Scripture and see what God has to say in His Word about marriage and family life. And so we're going to go to the very beginning of this thing. We're going to go to Genesis, uh, Genesis chapter 2. And I want to remind you of kind of what's taking place there, how, how this thing begins, Right? How, how this whole hot mess begins. And God does want our families and our marriages to, to not just survive, but to thrive. Because in the beginning, when you find man, you find man. And man has been placed in a row of having reign, if you will, over all creation. God has subjected creation to him. So he's in a place to reign, and God wants us to reign in life. He doesn't want us to just survive. He really wants us to thrive. And there you have man. He's been created. He's been given this, uh, this, this charge, if you will, of having dominion over creation. He's in a position to reign, if you will. And God, up to this point, had looked upon everything, 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 everything that he had created, and he said, it is what? It is everything he created, everything up to this point. He had said, it is what? It is, it is good. It is good. But then God looks at man's place in creation without woman. And he says, for the first time, it is not good. It is not good that man should be alone. Therefore... I will make for him a helper, a companion. Some scripture will say help mate, help meet, whichever. I will, I, will, I will bring to him, I will create for him, I'll make for him a companion that will come alongside him to help him to do and to achieve and to fulfill all that I have for humanity. I guess you could say when God looked at man's place in creation, he saw an incompleteness. Just say that word with me, incompleteness. There was an incompleteness to man. So God says, I'm going to fix this. Now, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 20, I think God kind of sets him up just so that he would never perhaps wander or second guess, might there be a better option for me? Because in Genesis chapter 2, verse 20, the text says that the man gave names to all the cattle and to the birds of the sky and to every beast of the field. But for Adam... There was what? There was what? There was not 
found a helper suitable for him. So he has this role of dominion, and he's actually naming all the, the creatures and the animals in the animal kingdom, and they're coming by, and they're one by one, and he's giving them names, giving them names, and with each one, and then at the very end, no, not the one. No, not the one. No, not the one. Not the one made for him, not the one that would complete him, not the one that could help him. Everything, listen to me, everything out there. Nope, not the one. And it's interesting that it seems that he, listen to me, he comes to, to this conclusion perhaps himself. There was not found a helper suitable for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And he slept. Then he took one of his ribs, and the language, listen to this, the language here means literally to be beside, from his side, to be beside. And in the wedding season, you may attend a wedding ceremony, and you'll hear maybe the minister say, you know, God did not take from Adam a spot from his head that she might have reign or rule or dominion over him. God did not take a place from, from his foot that she might, you know, be subservient in, a, in an unhealthy, domineering way of, of being, being less or inferior to him. No. God took from his side a place of intimacy. I, I love this, and this, this is where it kind of gets all kind of ooey-gooey. A place close to his heart. Right next to his heart. Yeah, right there. Next to his side. So it can be literally someone at his side. And I, and I do think, I do think, I do think that a proper healthy view of, of men and women is to understand that in the Lord's economy, there is equality. And we can talk about different roles. We'll look at the house codes in Ephesians. But I do believe that in the heart of God, there is an equality, there's a side-to-sideness that God intended for man. But also listen to this, it wouldn't just be what man would receive or man would get out of this deal, but also this thing works in converse. It's what she would receive, what she would get out of this deal. So God causes him to, to, to go into a sleep, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh at that place. The Lord God fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from the man. We emphasize that. The Lord God fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from the man and brought her to the man. So it's almost like, nope, not the one, 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 and then he brings woman. And in the Hebrew language, man here, the term for man, is the term ish. When you get a man, you get ish. It's not, it's not too flamboyant, is it? Ish. Yeah, he's ish. But when you get woman who's taken from man, in Hebrew, she is isha. It would probably do us well just to kind of let that out, okay? When you get a man, you get, come on, ladies, this is the one time I give you the opportunity. Yeah, you can do it. When you get man, you get 
ish, ish. It's only one syllable. But when you get woman, whoa, you get, come on, isha. And let's just let that last syllable just linger out there for a second, okay? We're going to build up the ladies today. You, when you get man, you get ish. When you get woman, you get isha. And here's what happens next. The man said when she's brought to him, this is now, nothing before, but this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called Isha because she was taken out of Ish. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. And if you notice in your study Bibles today, if you're reading from a study Bible, this whole section in verse 23 of what the man says, it's in indentations. If you have a study Bible today, it's, it's placed in indentations, the wording here. And in Scripture, when something is placed in indentations, most of the time, it's a reference to another place in Scripture, a quote in Scripture. So like in the New Testament, you come to a place, there's indentations, and you go, oh, this, is a, this may very well be an, an Old Testament quote. And if you look at the margins, you'll see maybe where, where that, that quote comes from. But this is very early on. This is, guys, this is creation. You can't get much earlier than that. So what is he doing? What, what, why are these indentations here? In Scripture, another reason for indentations is when something that is said is poetic. It's poetic. A poem. Or listen to this. Or perhaps even a song. So it's believed that when man sees her for the first time, he breaks out into song. It's very poetic. This is extremely romantic. He's mesmerized by her. And let me tell you guys, I mean, he's awestruck. He breaks out into song. And guys, man, would it not serve us well to never cease to be awestruck by the woman God's placed into our lives? Wow. She's amazing. And I'm going to tell you something else that's amazing about this. God brings her to him. And there's nothing in the text that would suggest or imply that, you know, he deserves. This is all the heart and the will of God. It would also serve us well to see our wives as a gift from God. Not something that is due us. Not something that we're owed. God, you owe me a woman. But actually a gift from God. It would serve us very well to have the same sentiment. And, and even as the years go on and the challenges of life go on, to be reminded of this and still be mesmerized by the presence of our wives. Now, my wife would not want me to sing. I can't carry a note in a bucket. But it's still the poetic flavor. It's the romance. It's the, it's the heart that is awestruck. 
by her presence. He breaks out into song. Here's something else that's really fascinating about what is said here. Scholars tell us that this is covenantal language. Covenantal language. And wherever you find a covenant, you find, listen to me, you find commitment. You find commitment. Where you find a covenant, you find a commitment. A commitment. A pledge, if you will. A a pledge of of oneself. The question comes up, uh, you know, when when do Adam and Eve get married? When do Adam and Eve get married? And when you look at the text, in the very next verse, he says, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. They shall become, oh, wait a minute. Oh, wait a minute. Let's back up. For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his what? To his what? To his wife. So what takes place in the previous verse, what takes place in verse 23, it's believed that it's at that point in time where Adam and, and, and she is a willing, willing partner in this, if you will, they pledge themselves to one another. And from that point in time, this is the very first time, verse 24, the word wife is used or translated as wife is used in the biblical text. So a marriage union seems to happen in verse 23. But notice this. There's nothing in the text at this point in time that that leads us to think that there was a sexual relationship. You know, for years people thought and people have said that if you ever have sex with somebody, then in the eyes of God that makes you married. You ever heard that before? There's even some religious ideas and ideologies that teach that. And granted, it might have been done or might have been said with a heart to encourage people to avoid premarital relationships, to to avoid premarital sex. But I'm telling you, there's plenty of reason, there is plenty of reason to avoid premarital sex in the eyes of the Lord and in the relationship. But to conclude that sex causes you to be married I think is misguided. Because think about it. What about someone who has a physical handicap and they are physically unable to have sex? Does that mean they can't be married? That's silly. Marriage, and you'll see this even in God's relationship to Israel, because the Scripture refers to Israel and God's relationship as a marriage. When did they get married? There's a place where, where God basically extends a proposal to Israel and says, will you follow my commandments? And Israel comes back and says, yes, we do. It's like Israel saying, we will. Yes, I do. I do. We will. And then there's a sprinkling of blood upon the tablet and in the presence of the people. And you do not need to read in any type of sexual connotation into that. The point is, when there was a public commitment that was made, that's what constituted the marriage. What makes people married is commitment. A public commitment. 
yes, under God, before witnesses, but it's at that point that a person says, I will, I will commit myself. It's a covenant promise of commitment. And we tell, we tell, I, I tell young people in counseling, it will not be your commitment to one another that will get you through marriage. It won't be that. It will not be your personal commitment to each other that's going to get you through marriage. It'll be your commitment to God that gets you through marriage. It's your individual personal commitment to the Lord that will get you through marriage. It will not be your commitment to each other alone. Because there's going to be times and there's going to be challenges in your lives where you're just not going to be feeling the commitment to the other. But here's what God does, okay? And this is why your individual walk with the Lord is so important. So important. As you walk with the Lord and you struggle in life, the Lord is going to move your heart and He's going to fashion your heart always back to serving and being there for what the other person gets out of it. I can't tell you how many times you know, I might have been frustrated or I might have been discouraged and I had talked till I was blue in the face. She's just not listening. She doesn't understand. I know she's felt that way about me. Can I get any, is anybody feeling me here? Am I alone in this? And then I would just start shutting up. She ain't listening. And she probably felt the same way about me. But then we go off. And we get along with the Lord. And then what does the Lord do? He always turns our hearts back to one another. So it's the commitment to the Lord, not the commitment to each other, that gets you through marriage. But there's a commitment nonetheless. And out of that commitment, the Scripture says, for this reason, for again, for what reason? This is back in verse 24. For what reason? For this reason. The reason of marriage, this marital union. A man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Again, this is not, we're not to read into this only the sexual relationship of becoming one flesh, and that is a very, very, let me tell you, this is a very important component to your relationship as husband and wife. The sexual component is extremely important. I would dare say that most disagreements, arguments, or challenges in marriages, apart maybe from finances, is in the area of the bedroom. It's in the area of the bedroom, of intimacy, connectivity, the sexual aspect. But you can't read just that into this. It is the blending together of all of your lives. Of one, of one flesh union is the blending of all your lives. Now, here's the thing. No, you don't marry the in-laws. You don't marry their past. But to think that these things that are a part of their life don't have an impact in what they bring into the relationship, if you think it doesn't have an impact, you're wrong. It has a big impact. I, I, tell, I said this morning in the first service to, to our, some of our teenagers who was there, I said, you know, when you come to that point in time in your life and you start thinking about having a relationship with somebody, then when you go to their house, pay attention. Watch how... His father treats his mother. Watch 
how his mother treats his father. Watch how her father treats her mother. Watch how her father treats her mother treats the husband. Watch, pay attention because the home is the training ground for marriage and family life. And many of the lessons in the training ground may not be things that are taught explicitly, but they're caught. Attitudes, habits, patterns, how you treat the other person, how you revere the other person. Now, there's going to come a point in time, I know I'm going to have to sit down with Brady, and we're going to have us a talk. Now, this is a running joke at my home, and, and he knows it's a running joke. I know it's a running joke. We laugh about it, but you know, but sometimes, you know, Brady, you know, moms and sons just have this thing. You know what I'm saying? They just have this thing. And there'll be times Brady will be like, Mom, I'm hungry, you know. And she might kind of, you know, okay, I'll, and, and he'll be like, Woman, you need to find your place in the kitchen. Now, he didn't learn that from me. I'm just saying, okay? I mean, I, he didn't learn that from me. And he'll just joke with his mom. Now, woman, you just need to go in the kitchen. That's where I want. And he just says it to joke around everything. But, you know, you know for him to uh, adopt that when he starts getting, I mean, we're going to have a serious talk. No, that better not be your heart. That better not be your attitude, right? Because we all know what? We all know what? Happy wife is what? Okay. Uh, you guys out here, they got the wisdom about you. Okay? I can see the wisdom about you. Been married several years. You got the wisdom about you. It shows. You've got, you wear your wisdom and you wear it well. Is it not true? Happy wife, happy life. I'm telling you, happy wife, happy life, right? Attitudes. How we treat. How we love. This plays right into what Paul's going to teach us in the house codes when he talks about husbands loving their wives and, and that the marital relationship is actually a picture of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He lays the, front, the groundwork for that there in Ephesians 5 with this, this heart, this attitude of mutually submitting to one another, of loving each other, of doing what is necessary and needed in each other's life, of mutual submission. And then he lays the groundwork for husbands and wives in the home. Plays right into that. Husbands, love your wives. As Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. And listen to this. He would go on and he would say there that, that a man who loves his wife is doing what? He's loving himself. Because of this intimate one flesh union to a man loves his wife, he loves him. And here's the thing. And you see this even with what Adam said to Eve. He's, he's building her up. He's building her up. He's encouraging her. Helping her to understand and to be all that God had for her in her life. And when a man loves his wife, he builds her up. He doesn't beat her down. And it makes sense, guys, to build her up and not tear her down because you have to live with her. So for the guy who's complaining about his wife all the time, Maybe he needs to look in the mirror. 
at how he's been building and fashioning and encouraging just like Christ does the church. And the scripture says, the man and his wife were both naked and they were not ashamed. There, there, was, a, there was an innocence here before the fall. And the fall just destroyed relationships and it destroys homes, it destroys culture and society. Sin enters into the picture and this thing really, 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 really gets messy. But I'm just so thankful for the grace of God. The grace of God, the blood of Jesus that just covers all the flaws and cracks and crevices and imperfections and the failures and the shortcomings. The, the blood of Jesus trumps the day when it comes to marriage and family life. One of the things that's really neat to do when you want to try to understand a passage of Scripture is to look at other places and see how other biblical writers viewed that passage of Scripture. I think Jesus is a great place to go. So in Mark chapter 10, Jesus speaks back on this very event. It's in the context of him being drilled and quizzed about divorce. And the Lord willing, in this series, we will get the opportunity to talk about that. But here's how Jesus replies to this question. And so look in verse 6, okay, of Mark chapter 10. Jesus says, from the beginning of creation, this speaks to a, a timeless, listen to me, a timelessness. A timelessness of how we're to see what happened there. He says, from the very beginning of creation, God made them, He made them from the very beginning, a timelessness, God made them male and female. For this reason, we know what the reason was, is the, the reason of their union and their covenantal relationship together. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother. And the two shall become one flesh, so they are no longer two, but one flesh. And then, listen to what Jesus said next. And a lot of times we'll say this at the end of a wedding ceremony. We'll say, we'll say, What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. It seems to be that it was in the understanding of Jesus that the marital relationship and the marital union is ordained by God. It's ordained by God. It was God's idea. And if it's God's idea, then it also stands to reason that God knows best how this thing is to work. So we would be very, very wise to follow His Spirit and to follow His Word and to follow His understanding in our relationships. It wasn't man's idea. And then man says, hey, God, won't you go get me a woman? It was God's idea. It seems to be in the understanding of Jesus that God is the one who joins them together. Now, here's the thing. It gets very messy. It's, listen, it gets very challenging when people on the, on the brink of the brokenness of their relationship, they say, we're not for sure God brought us together to begin with. It gets messy. 
It gets very difficult and challenging at that point. And again, I want to say that, that I've never counseled a couple that at the beginning of this thing, they did not, they, 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 never has it happened once in a Christian context that a couple came to me and said, we're not, we're really not sure. Every single one has felt that God was bringing them together. And granted, somewhere down the road, things happen, vows are broken. Maybe there is some na- being naive comes into play, misunderstandings. I could tell you, I could tell you stories and stories and stories. Again, just so thankful that the, the blood of Jesus covers all. But man, once you get there, that can get just so messy. But I believe it was the understanding of Jesus that God ordains, God brings together. And it's not for man to separate. And that's how Jesus saw what was taking place there in the book of Genesis. That God was bringing things together. So this month, as you, as you see you know, people celebrating their anniversaries, and you see all the wedding announcements and the, and the, the stuff that's coming up, and listen to People dream about having this tremendous wedding. The wedding's not nearly as important as the marriage. And the preparation and the prayer and the wisdom and the understanding going into marriage far surpasses the planning the money, the vision for a wedding. So over the next several weeks, we're going to be talking more about family vacay. Vacating hearts, I mean attitudes, habits, ideas, patterns, that can erode our relationships. And in this, we understand that the foundation of, of the family is, is the marriage. It's, it's the marriage relationship. And the foundation is that which every, everything else is what? You've ever built a home? Built a house? The foundation is, is that which everything else is what, guys? The foundation, the marriage, is that which everything else is built upon. And so if the foundation is faulty, then there's not too much that's going to be able to stand over time. So we need God's wisdom in getting the foundation right. Again, so thankful, so thankful, so thankful. The blood of Jesus covers all. And he restores, he renews, he gives second chances. Oh, he does so much to set things right. And if you're struggling today in your relationship, in your marriage, 
I believe God can give you the wisdom to repair, to renovate, to rebuild like you need to in your life. So let's stand together this morning. And over the last several weeks, it's just seemed so appropriate that when we close this time of our service together, that we just have our hands lifted up. Just, just hold your hands in a posture, just like this, okay? And this posture says, okay, God, I do not have all the answers. I do not have all of this figured out. I'm learning as I go. But God, here it is. Everything of my life, everything that's behind me, I cannot change one single thing about me or my relationships yesterday or even this morning. But Father God, right now, today, in this moment, I can receive from you the wisdom, the love, the grace, the strength that I need to move forward in life and in my relationships. Father, you can use me, no matter where I am, to encourage somebody else. A younger couple, another family, my own children, God, Lord, Lord, God, I pray that even in spite of me and all my failures, I pray that my children would know how to be the men, how to be the women you call them to be in their future homes. And in whose name do we do this? Whose name do we do this in? Whose name do we do this in? In Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us on the First Missionary Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. That's it for this week's teaching, but you can always find more on our website, firstmissionary.net. We'd also like to encourage you to like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram and Twitter, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you benefited from this week's lesson, be sure to share it with your friends and family, then leave a rating and review on your favorite podcast app. Thanks again for listening, and God bless.